Before I start the episode, I just want to mention to you that if you've been enjoying this Black History Month series, I'm going to ask if you might consider providing me with monthly support via Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, you can get access to all the bonus episodes that I post, usually two a month. I've stuck with that for the month of February, but I made the episodes available to everyone, and I'm so pleased to have gotten some a positive response from all of you. If you have the means to provide support to me right now, let's just say I could really use it. Thanks a lot. And now, here's the episode. Dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach, and as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. Well, friends, we've come to the end of Black History Month. I had originally intended to do an episode on Leslie Scott. He was one of the baritones who toured Europe, singing the role of Porgy with the Everyman Opera Company in the 1950s. But he proved to be a tougher nut to crack than I had anticipated. So in my scufflings around in the past couple days, I realized that there was a very interesting focus that I could take for the final episode. So here it is, 20th century pioneers, because I often put things in a political context, and because our new president has seen fit to bomb Syria, I thought that it might be appropriate to begin with the song So Pretty. It was composed by Leonard Bernstein to a text by Betty Comden and Adolph Green for an anti-war concert in 1968, where it was premiered by Barbara Streisand. Here, it's sung by one of my very favorite singers, Roberta Alexander, accompanied by Tan Krone. We were learning in our school today, all about a country far away, full of lovely temples Thank you. 
Since I'm politicizing things, and since we're listening to great African-American singers, and since Lee Hoiby composed a number of memorable songs for the great Leontine Price, and because he composed a text to the final lines of Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus, and since I was able to find a live recording of this from February 1986 with Leontine Price and her pianist. David Garvey, and since it seems that we need to be continually reminded of these things, let me offer to you their performance of Lee Hoiby's song, Lady of the Harbor. Now, since at this point in her career, Madame Price's diction was not of the clearest, I'm also going to read the text. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send those, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And now, just because 
we need more of the glorious voice of Leontine Price. Here is a song from Ned Roram's cycle, The Nantucket Songs, to a text by Christina Rossetti. This is Ferry Me Across the Water, and this is a live performance with Leontine Price and David Garvey from Chicago in January 1981. And by the way, it was right around this time that I heard Leontine Price sing a recital, more or less of the same repertoire, in Milwaukee, and yes, she sang a song, and yes, that last note did sound as exquisite as it does here. going to move into works by 20th century African-American composers. This first one is by Margaret Bonds, who's finally starting to gain a modicum of the attention that she has deserved for so long. Of course, her arrangements of spirituals are very famous. In particular, he's got the whole world in his hands. No disputing that. But this is a setting of the Langston Hughes poem, Minstrel Man. It's one of the three dream portraits that Margaret Bonds composed in 1959. Once again, Leontine Price and David Garvey, this time from Salzburg in August 1984.
In the William Warfield episode a week ago, we discussed how Leontine Price and William Warfield got to know each other as they were preparing to go on tour with Porgy and Bess. One of the other sopranos on that tour, initially singing the role of Serena, was Helen Thigpen. She's a fairly shadowy figure whom I'm hoping to present to you in greater depth at some point in the future. In 1950, she recorded a series of six songs by the distinguished African-American composer Howard Swanson, who was, who was known in particular for his vocal music. This is a setting of Carl Sandburg's The Junk Man, though Ms. Thigpen's diction is significantly better than her much more famous colleague, Leontine Price, I'd still like to read the poem to you. I am glad God saw death and gave death a job, taking care of all who are tired of living. When all the wheels in a clock are worn and slow and the connections loose, and the clock goes on ticking and telling the wrong time from hour to hour, and people around the house joke about what a bum clock it is, how glad the clock is when the big junk man drives his wagon up to the house and puts his arms around the clock and says, you don't belong here. You gotta come along with me. How glad the clock is then when it feels the arms of the junk man close around it and carry it away. I am glad God death and gave death a job taking care very pleased in this next number 
to be able to return to the extraordinary tenor Charles Holland, whom I featured on one of my Black History Month episodes in 2020. Charles Holland was well into his 70s when his career underwent an unexpected resurgence due to an interesting set of circumstances that I describe in that podcast episode. Based on the new attention, Charles Holland got together with Dennis Russell Davies, the conductor and pianist, and recorded an album mostly of spirituals, but also of this one song by Hall Johnson, who was a choral conductor, an arranger, and also a composer. This is a very spiritual-like song. In fact, it's the closest thing to a spiritual that you're going to hear today. It's set to the poem Fire by Langston Hughes. In this case, I really don't think I need to read the text to you. You'll get the gist of this rousing song. Just a few short weeks ago, I did an episode on Carol Bryce, one of my very favorite singers of all times. At that time, I simply was not aware that in 1968 she had participated in a live performance of the extraordinary oratorio The Ordering of Moses by Robert Nathaniel Dett, who also, it turns out, was a magnificent singer. We know him today mostly for his arrangements of spirituals, and yet he also wrote this extraordinary oratorio that was premiered in 1937, again under quite interesting interesting 
circumstances. A few years ago, the piece was once again performed in Cincinnati as part of the May Festival and recorded. This recording from 1968 predates that effort by almost 50 years. And here's Carol Bryce singing with the Mobile Symphony Orchestra conducted by none other than William Levi Dawson, another extraordinary African-American composer who composed the Afro-American Symphony that, like the work of Margaret Bonds, is finally gaining a little bit more exposure. In this oratorio, Carol Bryce portrays the collective voice of of the oppressed people of Israel. I'm going to offer you a short excerpt from the opera by that distinguished African-American composer William Grant Still. His opera Troubled Island depicts a slave uprising in Haiti in 1791. The libretto is written by Langston Hughes and by William Grant Still's wife, Verna Arvey. The work was premiered by New York City Opera in the spring of 1949, and in spite of the very positive audience reaction, it was more or less blasted by the critics. It received only three performances and has only occasionally been revived since, and never again at City Opera or any major U.S. opera company. In most of the roles, white singers donned blackface to portray black characters. There were some exceptions. One of the roles was portrayed by Robert McFerrin, 
and in the final performance of the three, the main role of Dessalines was portrayed by Lawrence Winters. I featured both of these artists in an episode in my Black History Month series in 2020, so if you're interested, please go back and listen to that. In that episode, I did play a portion of one of the duets from the beginning of the opera. We're going to hear a scene today from the second act in which Dessalines, an historical character portrayed in the opera by Lawrence Winters, sings to an advisor of his who is smirking and laughing at him behind his back. Why do you laugh? Why do you laugh, Ival? Why do you laugh? Is it because you know that I see helpless here? I cannot read nor write myself. And we have After Troubled Island, Paul Bowles, the composer and author, and the poet James Schuyler put together a magnificent piece called A Picnic Cantata, which has, as the young people say, all the feels. It's funny, it's witty, it's serious, it's poignant, it's all of these things. There were four young African-American singers who were recruited from their studies at Juilliard to take part in the first performance of this piece in 1954. Two of them we're going to hear later on, Martha Flowers and Gloria Davy. There's only one singer who gets what I would call an extended aria in this piece. Normally they're singing in exchange back and forth and back and forth. That is the mezzo-soprano Marita Gaither. I had never heard of her before, but upon doing a bit of research, I was able to discover that under the name Marita Gaither Graves, she pursued a career as a soloist and recitalist throughout the United States and Europe and as recently as 2009, gave a very ambitious concert at Merkin Recital Hall. She has also been affiliated with several faculties, including SUNY Binghamton, the University of Bridgeport, and Howard State University. On the basis of this recording, 
she was indeed a treasurable singer. After the four working girls have had their picnic, this character is reading from the Sunday paper. Here's the text. The Sunday paper is full of news. Here is a letter sad as a blues. I have a heart problem, writes E.Q., I knew this other man was married and had a little boy. He knew I was married and mother of three, but we went out together and discovered we had many points in common. Before we realized it, we had to see each other at least every other day. We found a kind of love we'd never known before, and then I had to leave him to come back to my husband. I thought it only fair to be honest with my husband. My husband and I are planning on moving to this town. The other man lives there. I know we can never be free to marry each other because of the children. Do you think it would be a wise move? The piano duo, Gold and Fitzdale, whom we heard last week in the William Moorfield episode, were behind the genesis of this piece. And they are the pianists here. The percussionist is Al Howard. The Sunday paper is full of news. Here's a problem, writes E.Q.
mentioned the name Martha Flowers. She's not heard in that excerpt, but she is one of the great, I hate to say it, but forgotten singers of the past century. I think she was one in a million. I know I keep saying that. I said that about Margaret Tynes as well. But Martha Flowers has this way of living through the music, living through the text, Even as a student, she reveals that incredible insight. This is an excerpt from a student recital that she gave in December 1952 of Anne True Love's aria from The Rake's Progress. And remember, this piece was brand new. The work had not yet been performed at the Metropolitan Opera. That came a few months later. This could have been the first New York performance of Aunt True Love's aria. David Garvey is the pianist. Adele Addison is one of the great concert singers of the 1960s. 
She sang a lot of Baroque music. She sang a lot of art song. She was mostly a concert singer, although she does provide the voice for Bess in the very problematic Otto Preminger film of Porgy and Bess. To my mind, she's rather lightweight for that part, but she sounds good on the soundtrack. Another piece that she premiered the following year was a very challenging, both for the listener and for the performer, orchestral song cycle called Time Cycle. Lucas Foss is the composer. He won the Pulitzer Prize for this work. It's a setting of texts by four different writers, all concerning themselves with elements and aspects of time, hence the title. The third movement is a setting of a diary entry of Franz Kafka. It's called 16. Januar, the 16th of January. In this performance, Adele Addison is accompanied by Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic. On a personal note, she was a big support to me in the early days of my career. She was a judge at a competition I sang, and I won, and she was so kind and supportive, and I just thought the world of her. I still do.
another singer who had an even more extensive association with Porgy and Bess was the singer we're going to hear next, Thomas Carey, whose voice we sampled a few weeks ago in the episode that I did on his wife, Carol Bryce. When Thomas Carey was in Europe, he was often asked to perform a typical repertoire of Stephen Foster songs, Porgy, and spirituals. In 1970, he was engaged for a different kind of project. That was for the premiere of Michael Tippett's opera, The Knot Garden at Covent Garden. I'm just going to say outright, I think Michael Tippett is one of the worst librettists that ever put pen to paper. And unfortunately, he is the librettist for the majority of his operas. This one is all about the problems of some upper-middle-class Brits who have all kinds of conflicted relationships. What's interesting about the Knot Garden is that it's the first time that a gay couple was put on stage. They were portrayed by Robert Teer, the tenor, as Dove, and Thomas Carey as Mel, his lover. Most of the other singers in the opera are given a chance to fully express their feelings in arias or extended scenes. That is not the case with Mel. I do want to play two bits of his part for you guys. Michael Tippett in this opera displays some pretty problematic approaches to quote-unquote the race question. He makes the two lovers role-play parts in William Shakespeare's The Tempest. And of course, Mel has to portray the exotic, uncivilized, and semi-monstrous character of Caliban. I'm just going to leave that out there. Make of it what you will. I've made of it what I will. I'll say no more. Anyway, this is their first entrance, and just to give you an example of what's so problematic about this piece... The character that they come in contact with has just been prancing around the stage singing eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and I'm not even going to say the next line. But she does, and then suddenly, in comes the black man, and he's gay, and he's got a boyfriend, and they roleplay that he's a monster. Okay. I have to say, though, I really like Michael Tippett's music. We hear Thomas Carey, Robert Teer, and Jill Gomez in that order. Colin Davis is conducting the Royal Opera House Orchestra. If you think we're waxworks, you ought to pay, you know. Waxworks weren't made to be looked at for nothing. No how. Contrarywise, if you think we're alive, you ought to speak. Was a bad man, but Arian was fair. 
Act one ends with an ensemble that's very beautiful and musically very satisfying. It begins with Mel, Thomas Carey, singing words, Do not torment me, baby. I'm going to play from that moment till the end of the act. In addition to Thomas Carey, Robert Tier, and Jill Gomez, we also hear in this scene Raymond Herricks, Yvonne Minton, and Josephine Barstow.
an absolutely charming and delightful African-American singer whose career was based almost entirely in Vienna is the actor and singer Olive Moorfield. I believe I mentioned last week that William Moorfield appeared as Porgy on stage at the Wiener Volksoper. His best was none other than Olive Moorfield. Olive Moorfield is nothing if not eclectic. A big hit for her in the late 50s was was a German language version of the song Tequila. She also appeared at the Wiener Volksoper as the ingenue Eileen in the German language premiere of Leonard Bernstein and Compton and Green's Wonderful Town. She continued to appear in films, and television, and on stage. And what's remarkable is that for the most part, it was colorblind casting. For instance, in 1964, there was a television production of Giancarlo Menotti's opera, The Old Maid and the Thief, or as it's known in German, Die alte Jungfer und der Dieb. Olive Moorfield was cast as the ingenue Letitia, opposite the Bob, that is, the thief of Eberhard Wächter and the Miss Todd, that is, the old maid, of none other than Elisabeth Hüngen, who excelled in the Wagnerian dramatic mezzo parts as well as Clytemnestra and Herodias. You can only find excerpts from this on YouTube, and they're all focused on the performance of Eberhard Wächter as Bob. He's very, very good, and he displays a rather surprisingly good physique, I'll just mention. This is the scene where where Letitia takes Bob's breakfast up to him in his room and invites him to stay a little bit longer in their household. But Miss Todd, in the person of Frau Hüngen, keeps interrupting and calling to her, since both of these women, of course, are mooning after the man. Hey, I just said it was colorblind. I didn't say that this was a progressive plot in any way, shape, or form. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Oh, 
fantasie, in basso in fin, ittva romantis, oh, mi mattar, mi mattadantis. Then it's okay. Am I not vegan? Ja, und der Nachbar, sind sehr betracht. Nun will mit Tod mit Marik diesen Reichen sagen, ago one of my favorite sopranos celebrated a birthday and i didn't even get to acknowledge her so here's a belated happy birthday to martina arroyo after she sang a few bit parts at the met she departed for germany where she was celebrated for a wide range of roles and repertoire before she made her way back to the united states one of the things that she did which may surprise some of you who don't already know this is that she created the soprano part in a work called Momente by Karl-Heinz Stockhausen. Now, Momente was revised and expanded in the early 1970s. But for this shorter 1965 version, Martina Arroyo created the soprano part. It's a very strange example of Stockhausen's avant-garde style. I'm just going to play a short excerpt of it. The text here actually is from the Song of Solomon, the singer is saying, I am black but comely amidst a lot of titters and clicks. You'll hear. Die hat mich die Hütte in die Beine gesetzt, aber meine eigene Beine habe ich nicht mehr hinten. Aber, 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 aber
I had mentioned the revised version of Momente. In performances and the subsequent recording, the soprano part was taken by Gloria Davy. She's another of the artists that I did an episode on in the Black History Month series of 2020. The primary role that she sang and was most renowned for was Aida. I don't think she was by nature a Verdi soprano. The voice sounds more like a mezzo-soprano to my ear. But she's clearly a cracker Jack musician, there is an extraordinary work by the Israeli composer Shulamit Ran, who did a setting of poems by the German-Jewish poet Nelly Zachs. The work is called Oh the Chimneys, but the text is in the original German. The texts all refer in one way or another to the concentration camps. Shulamit Ran was only 20 years old when she composed this piece. It's for a small instrumental ensemble, flute, clarinet, cello, percussion, and piano. It's what they call a Pierrot ensemble, but with added percussion. The work was recorded in 1973. This is a performance of the third of five songs called Flucht, or Flight. Here it's called Fleeing. What a great reception on the way. Wrapped in the wind's shawl, feet in the prayer of sand, which can never say Amen, compelled from fin to wing and further. The sick butterfly will soon learn again of the sea. This stone with the fly's inscription gave itself into my hand. I hold instead of a homeland the metamorphoses of the world.
Der kranke Schmetterling weiß bald die von Another American singer who made his life and career in Germany was the African-American baritone William Pearson. Just this past week, I got my hands on a very rare recording of him and Gloria Davy together in excerpts from Porgy and Bess. As with so many other African-American baritones, both before and since, the role of Porgy provided a point of entry for William Pearson into the German-speaking market. But he was, like Gloria Davy, a much more ambitious and versatile musician than one might think. He became an expert in avant-garde performance. He premiered works by Ligeti. He was one of the most extraordinary performers of that strange piece, Eight Songs for a Mad King, by Peter Maxwell Davies. And he created the vocal part in Hans Werner Hentz's 1970 hybrid piece called El Cimarron. The text is an adaptation of a slave narrative by Esteban Montoya, an escaped slave in Cuba. When Hense composed the work in 1969, he was a resident of Cuba. The piece is scored for four musicians, the voice part, flute, guitar, and percussion. It is a 70-minute piece of 15 disparate parts. I'm going to go out on a limb and call it a masterpiece. I've been listening to it the past few days and am completely blown away by it. I'm going to offer short portions of two of the movements. The first is the beginning of the movement in titled Disclaverai, Slavery, where the performer describes what daily life as a slave is like. The other performers alongside William Pearson are Karl-Heinz Zöller playing the flute, Leo Brauer playing the guitar, and Stomu Yamashta on percussion. The ensemble is led by the composer Hans Werner Henze. Um, Bei 
Next is an excerpt from the fifth movement, Der Wald, The Forest, where the performer describes his life after he's escaped from the plantation and is living for an extended period of time in the forest. What's extraordinary here is that he also imitates the sounds of many of the forest creatures, like some sort of avant-garde imasumak. gefiel es mir sehr. Ich kannte alle Wege. Thank you. 
gesprochen. There were two African-American singers who, as they moved into the second phase of their performing lives, began to undertake and commission work that was specifically tailored to their talents and abilities. Kathleen Battle commissioned Andre Previn and Toni Morrison to compose a song cycle for her that is known as Honey and Rue. The third song is called The Town is Lit. It's a kind of jazz nocturne. And remember, of course, that Andre Previn first gained his renown as a jazz musician and, in fact, won an Oscar for his arrangement of the score of the film version of Porgy and Bess in 1959. This is not the studio recording. Instead, it's a live performance from the Ravinia Festival in July 1993, and John Nelson is conducting the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Please begin to make you begin all the cafe. 
1999, Jesse Norman was invited to become involved in a project with the Scottish composer Judith Weir and three extraordinary African-American writers, Toni Morrison, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, and Maya Angelou. The cycle is called Woman Life Song, woman.life.song, all lowercase. There are four songs in the cycle, four chamber orchestra and voice. The texts were commissioned especially for this work. It's what I would call sort of an anti Frauenliebe und Leben. It was premiered at Carnegie Hall in the spring of 2000 and then performed again that following summer at the London Proms, where David Robertson led the London Sinfonietta. I'm going to play you the last song to a text by Maya Angelou. It's called On Maturity. The years are broken across my body like thin crystal. Their shards reach my knees in pretty shiny piles, and I know each one with a dainty intimacy. Some were friends, and I pick them up and hold them to my ear like seashells, and they whisper to me of great love, of promises, of debts paid. Some were hateful, and they speak without the intent to conceal, of the blood of death, the loss of love, friendship betrayed, and golden youth ravaged by the weight of time. There appears an image of wisdom. Surely I have learned how to live with some grace, some compassion, some mercy, and some style. Will these lessons serve me as I face the next adventure?
with some grace, some compassion, some mercy, and some style. We've been talking about works that were commissioned specifically for high-profile African-American singers. Here's a work written for the Martinique-born French soprano Christiane Edapierre, who died last fall. Just a little note here, I did do a bonus episode last fall in memory of Christiane Edapierre, and if you become a Patreon subscriber, you can gain access to that. The composer is Charles Chêne, and the piece is called Pour un monde Noir for a Black World. The cycle is scored for large orchestra, which includes a large number of African instruments. Shaoxian sets texts by four different authors. The first song, which I'm playing for you, Pour un pays perdu, for a lost country, is a setting of a poem called Chanson du Vent, Song of the Wind, by the Senegalese poet Amadou Mustafa Wade, who was known as Doudou Wade. Donne-moi mon cœur. Les sanglots sonores de mes nuits tropicales. Redonne-moi les pluies d'étoiles sur la nature palpitante. Redonne-moi comme une grande symphonie hors des jours étrangers les chansons du vent et du tam-tam. Give me my heart, the sonorous sobs of my tropical nights. Give me back the rainfall of stars. Give me back, like a great symphony out of foreign days, the songs of the wind and of the tam-tam. Oh, <laughs> 
1976, the Chicago Symphony commissioned a symphony for voice and orchestra from the American composer David Del Tredici. Del Tredici has been obsessed his entire life with Lewis Carroll and the Alice in Wonderland texts. He's composed a number of large-scale works, primarily for voice and orchestra, based on these Alice texts. Though it was by no means the last work that Del Tredici composed using the Alice in Wonderland theme, the piece is called Final Alice. Barbara Hendricks, then at the very beginning of her career, was engaged to sing the soprano part when this work was premiered in Chicago in 1976. Three years later, the work was once again performed live, and there followed a recording that was very well received. We're going to hear a portion of the very end of the piece in a live performance from Chicago in October 1979.
Virgil Thompson was a very important critic, writer, and composer who, of course, wrote an opera called Four Saints in Three Acts to a quasi-nonsense text by Gertrude Stein. The work was premiered with an all-African-American cast. The distinguished African-American mezzo-soprano Betty Allen appeared in important revivals of the piece in the 50s and again in the 70s. She also premiered and was the dedicatee of Virgil Thompson's cycle, Praises and Prayers. It's an absolutely beautiful cycle, and she's an exquisite singer. And this is the fourth song, Before Sleeping, performed by Betty Allen and Virgil Thompson in New York in October 1963. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, bless the bed that I lie on before I lay me down to sleep. I pray my soul to Christ to keep for calmness to my bed. For angels there spread two to feet and two to head and four to carry me that I have a fond personal association with Betty Allen. She was a member of a jury for a competition in which I competed, and she went out on a limb for me. She believed in my talent. She supported me even when some members of the jury did not, and her support meant the world to me at that time. She, of course, also ran the Harlem School for the Arts after Dorothy Maynor retired, and she was a singer of enormous taste, skill, and accomplishment. Speaking of favorite singers of mine who are artists of enormous insight and communicative power, we're going to round off today's episode in the same way in which we began with Roberta Alexander singing a song by Leonard Bernstein. I featured this song in a different performance one other time on the podcast. That was right after the murder 
of George Floyd. It's the song Take Care of This House from the failed 1976 musical 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Alan J. Lerner is the lyricist. The text has new depth and significance since the events of January 6th. We are all summoned to take care of this house. Our democracy has been decimated. Rebuilding it will be an enormous challenge. I don't think that bombing Syria should be part of that plan. I don't think that compromise should be part of that plan. And I certainly don't think that looking the other way should be part of that plan. Thank you for joining me today and for the entire month. I've learned so much. It has been my honor to share these singers, this repertoire with you. Please rest assured that I am not one of those people who, once the month of February is over, then can put all those African-American singers back on the shelf and bring them out again next February. I'm not that person. I have so many ideas for future episodes that I'm going to bring to you. I will keep you all posted on those. Thank you for being with me on this. Consider supporting me on Patreon and enjoy Roberta Alexander. Dear ones, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.